God said in Genesis 1, 26-27, Let us make man in our own image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. The image and likeness of God. God created us both physically and spiritually creatures to be a reflection of his nature, of his attributes, of his character. The purpose and goal of humans made in God's image was to multiply that image to the ends of the earth. To spread the glory of God across all of creation. God's glory is present Everywhere, whether we spread it or not. But he created this, this theater of creation, this, this, this place in which everything resides to reveal his glory, to reveal his image, to reveal his character, and to reveal his presence. And God chose us to be the primary way in which people and which all of creation could understand who God is. The image of God. Multiplying that image. Revealing that image. That is our job. Of course we know sin entered into our hearts. Sin entered into humanity. Humanity rebelled against God. Defiled that image. Defiled that image in ourselves. Defiled that image in our character. In the attributes of God. It did not remove. Sin does not remove the image of God. But sin distorts the image of God. So instead of multiplying God's image with sin, we multiply a distorted image. We spread and we reveal a distorted image of God. Being separated from God, which is what sin is, we pass down an image, we we have been passing down an image of God that has been created and distorted. That image of God that actually reflects ourselves and not God. And that is idolatry. We have been giving the world a picture of a false God. Made after our own image instead of the image of God. We get that right quickly off in Genesis. Genesis 5.3. When Adam had lived 130 years, Adam full of sin, he fathered a son in his own likeness. Not in God's likeness. In his own likeness. After his image. Not God's image. And named him Seth. Now even after sin. Even after sin. God still chooses. To use humanity. As the primary means to reveal. His image. To reveal himself to the world. To reveal his glory to the world. So he goes about, he goes, I, God knows he has to restore the image in us, restore this distorted, broken image that we have created. And that is the story of Scripture God restoring that image in us so his glory could be revealed, for his image could be multiplied on this earth. And so God gives us, I told you, God's glory is everywhere, he reveals himself through all the creation. That's called general revelation. God is known, can be known throughout all of creation. 
Romans 1, 17 through 20 says it this. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, that's a thought you need to hold on to for a second later on in the sermon. The unrighteous, sinful men suppress the truth. The truth about what? The truth about God. And goes on to say, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness who suppress their truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. That's you and I. That's everyone. God has revealed himself through all creation. And we are without excuse knowing who he is. But you and I, unrighteous humans, fallen, broken humans, suppress the truth about God. We suppress it with our actions. We suppress it with our beliefs and our assertions of truth. God gives us the full manifestation of his image. Because he doesn't just stop at general revelation. He's like, okay, that's not, obviously it's not enough. He goes on to a special revelation. And so this, that special revelation where he distinctly and clearly reveals who he is, is done the utmost through Jesus Christ. It was supposed to be through Adam and through all humanity that God gives that special revelation through all humanity about who he is and his character in that image. But we broke that, and so we pass on distorted. But Jesus comes to rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. I cannot say that word correctly. <laughs> humanity 2.0, to restart humanity over again. God fixes our failures through Jesus. He fixes the issue of sin through Jesus. Jesus living the perfect life, living the obedient life, showing the world exactly the character and nature of who God is. And then by dying on a cross, by taking our penalty and our wrath, Christ takes on our sin and gives us his righteousness, his obedience, so that when God sees us, he sees his son, he sees himself. And then we begin transformed with this gift of the Holy Spirit that begins to sanctify us, to begin to, to change us into this, back into this character and the image of God, this full manifestation of this image of God. Colossians 1.15, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. God fixes all of our sin and begins to restore our image into the image of of himself. God's likeness and image is given to us. It is revealed to us through scripture as well. Not just through Jesus, but through scripture as well via the Holy Spirit. We begin to understand when we open up the book who God is. This next month, starting with today, we're going to enter into a series about racism and reconciliation, about our culpability. And our response to it. How we as the church 
who are our ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation. This is what in 2 Corinthians 5, this is the job that God has given to us. That we ought to lead in this. That we, the world needs us to lead in this. It's foundational for the world. It's foundational to the mission that God gave us in the garden. To multiply his image. To reveal who he is. And what he has done. And what he is doing. Who he is, the truth of that. And then the character of who he is. That's what we'll be discussing the next month. I hope you stay with us. Racism is the distortion of the true knowledge and the image of God. The true knowledge and the image of God. And racism, because we know we create ourselves into our own image instead of reflecting God's image. Racism then is idolatry. Idolatry. Because it's, it's depicting God, or depicting a God that looks and acts like us. Instead of God revealing that this is who he is, and this is how he acts. Racism is a distortion of that true knowledge of who God is. Racism is denying the dignity of any human being. And when you deny the dignity of any human being, you means you have an incorrect understanding of who God is. His nature and his conduct. Therefore racism, like all sin, is spreading a false image of God. It's spreading an idol. Because of sin, the human heart is abundant in this. We are great idol makers. This is something that we are really good at. Is creating things in our own image, in our own depraved way, and in reconciling what we do and justifying what we do. As followers of Christ, the full and true image of God, Christ, as followers of that full and true image of God, our job is to multiply that image. Make other followers of Christ, not other followers of us. By pointing them not to ourselves, but to Jesus. Pointing them to the image of God. We do that by having a proper knowledge of who God is. In belief and in that truth of who God is. The proper knowledge of who God is. And we also do that in the proper conduct. The actions, the actions that reflect God's character. The law of God that's internalized in us. Not just obeyed, but internalized in us. And that law of God we know is love. Because summarized in love. Love God and love neighbor. God tells us that our heart is depraved. That our heart is broken. And he needs to fix it. And that our tongue, what we say and how we act, betray our heart and reveal our our broken and distorted image and give a testimony not of him but to give a testimony of our brokenness. James 3, 9 through 10 says it this way. With it, our mouths, we bless our Lord and Father. With it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth came blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. 
Matthew 12, 34 says it this way. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning, your mouth eventually reveals what your heart is. And I think all of us cringe at that thought. Cringe at the thought of things that we have said that reveal, it's not just some slip of a tongue, a real what's deep down in our heart. And then we get to our passage today, which Jesus goes after not just outward actions, but inward thoughts. Matthew 5, 21 through 22, part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, You have heard it said up to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment, to, to condemnation. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Anger is equal to murder. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Insults equals murder. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Well, I mean, that just ups the ante. That makes it very clear what's going on here. Murder, not just, not just killing. We can have that a different sermon for a different day. But murder, taking the, law of, the life of someone who is in the image and dignity of God. The creator and the ruler of the earth. So literally murdering someone who is most in the reflection of God. God has given them their image. Whether distorted or not, God has given them his image. And you destroy that. Anger, insulting, and saying you fool. is actually, in this passage, he's saying it's worse than murder. It's not just equal. It's worse than it. And we get to that last word, you fool. I mean, we don't really say you fool, right? But th- this word, more accurately, if you like, go to the root of it, it means worthless. If you, or nobody. When you treat someone as worthless, or you treat them as a nobody, you are murdering them. You are murdering the image of God in them. And more than that, you are harming the true knowledge of God by your conduct, you are liable to hellfire eternally. Condemnation you deserve. Now, all of us, all of us deserve this hellfire, this condemnation. All of us have treated someone as a nobody. All of us have treated people as worthless. That's what sin does in us when we, it elevates us above other people. And of course, the gospel has a much different way of, of Jesus coming down who actually elevates people he's serving above him, even though he's greater than all. There is grace. This is the purpose of God's life, right? Christ has come to give us love and grace, the cross, to come to reconcile us with him. But there's still that understanding. When you treat someone as nobody, you distort the true knowledge of who God is by your conduct. So when we are racist or when we demean or treat people as worthless or less than us, as nobodies, we not only harm them, we murder them, we murder that image, we actually harm the image 
in ourselves. We harm the dignity that God gave us because we are no longer reflecting that image, the dignity of God in ourselves. We go back to that Romans passage and read the verses that continue on in Romans 1, 21 through 23. For although they knew God, had a knowledge of God, a true knowledge of God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became, became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts, just think about that word that he's using there. Their worthless hearts, their nobody hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, claiming to be something, they became fools. They became nothing. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Just think about that. When we are racist, when we demean people, when we treat them as worthless, we not only murder them, we actually are harming and murdering us. We, we always try to elevate ourselves to be something that we're not, actually lower ourselves to make us, ourselves, a nobody, a worthless. And we say, you know what? We don't want God's image. We want our image. And this saying, this is actually makes it even worse. It says, mortal man and birds and animals, and you, make, you want to be like creeping things. Racism or thinking of being as worthless or, or thinking someone as worthless or subhuman. That's what it is. Racism is the distortion of the true knowledge of God and the true image of God by denying the dignity and the image of God in that person. It's not who God is. The proper knowledge of God without proper conduct distorts that knowledge as well, you begin to think this is who God is. And that's, you begin to tell people this is who God is. That is not true. That's distortion of the knowledge of God and it's distortion of the gospel and the truth. When we think we're wise, we become fools. Someone who denies the dignity of another, another human also claims that they are nothing. He claims they that they are, are something that they are not. They deny the image of God in another and distort the image of God in ourselves. Distorting the true knowledge of God and you create an idol or distorted image of God. And this cycle just grows. The cycle just grows in us. We distort it and we continue to distort it and we continue to distort it and we continue to elevate ourselves. You don't multiply the image of God. God gave us a commission to multiply his image. And yet sin creates us to multiply our own image and destroy the image of God in others. The, the good news, you really don't have that ability to destroy the image of God. I mean, you, we attempt to. But we really don't have that ability to take away the image of God in someone or to make them a nobody. Only God has that power. Only God gives life and death. You and I may treat people that way and therefore distort the true image of God, but only God does that. And then we come 
to this idea of how we, as humans, that all do this, that are idol makers, right? And idol makers, sinners, create systems, create institutions, create things that institutionalize that sin, that create that sin, that systemize that sin, that systemize the image. We get that from the very, at the very beginning when Moses is going up to the mountain, Aaron and the rest of Israel is waiting down at the mountain. They are, they're not even patient with a couple days. And they create an image of God and create a system in which to sin and to create idols. We do this over and over in Scripture, this systemic sin that people create and bring other people along with us. That's systemic sin. That's institutionalized sin. You can look to the founding documents in our country into this idea of institutional or systemic racism. The Declaration of Independence, right, in 1776, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among these life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. On just the face value of that, that is an amazing statement. That is an amazing statement, actually, of general revelation, that somehow, whether, uh, maybe by special revelation, but somehow, they understood this truth, that all men are created in the image of God. Now, We'll set aside for the moment, and I apologize for doing this, this huge gaffe that they made, right? That, multiple gaffes they made, but they're not even talking about women here, right? When Scripture talks about, even at the beginning of Genesis 1, it says, man, God made man in his image. He immediately clarifies it, male and female. Here, they don't even do that. They, they don't even include women. They're a denier, not just a denier of race in this, but they deny uh, women as well. These, these founding followers stumbled on a truth that all people are created equal in the image of God, are created by God. And this is not something that men grant or that uh, governments grant, but this is just what God has granted to people. And so this government, this declaration of government says, we recognize, we receive that, that God has done this. And then more than that, do you see that the very last part of it says the governments are instituted to see that this happens, to secure these rights, that all people are created equal. That's the purpose of government. That should be a wow. I mean, that is a wow statement. That is an amazing statement. Except, except we know that they intentionally excluded some men and women based on race, based on the color of their skin. We know this. And we can't just say, well, it was a minor oversight. It was just the culture that they're in. No, they created this culture. We actually have early drafts of this Declaration of Independence where it actually includes denouncing the transatlantic slave trade because they understood it violated the most sacred rights of life and liberty to distant persons, to people that were different, but that they had the same image. This was in a draft. And so these 
founding fathers that signed this document that came to agree upon this, to debate the issues, they decided we are going to remove that. You know why they decided to remove that? Because they thought the union of this country to fight against their oppressor was more important, was a higher truth. This was a deliberate thing that they did. All of them were complicit. All of them institutionalized racism in our founding document in our government. To save the union. The union is more important. The union that is, we're connected to fight this common enemy. Not on, not on truth. Not on this foundational truth of who God is but to fight our enemy. This is actually, uh, as, much as, uh, as, as much as Abraham Lincoln ha- did, this, Lincoln's goal was actually to save the Union. And he stated that he would do whatever it takes to, slay, to save the Union. Whether it was that to free some, and not to free some, was to free all, or to keep slavery, that he would do whatever it takes to save the Union, because the Union was the highest priority. They compromised And they denied a most fundamental truth about God. The dignity and image in all persons. In all human, regardless of sex, regardless of skin tone. Whether this was a sin of omission or a sin of commission. right? A sin of of omission that I just, I'm not going to participate in this, I'll just let it be. Or an act of sin of commission that I'm deliberately doing this. I don't think there's really a difference in culpability. I don't think one is better than the other. Both are equally evil. Both are equally complicit in distorting the image of God. And therefore distorting the truth of God. Therefore, uh, foregoing the divine given vocation by God to multiply his image instead of our image. Or the image we want to multiply. They did this, part of the reason they did this is because they thought they were slaves to their oppressor. And they thought that was more important than the rest. We also know that that just wasn't a one-time act. It wasn't a one-time act. They continued to compromise and institutionalize racism and distort the image of God a decade later, later in the Constitution. In our Constitution of our government, 11 of the 84 clauses deal with slavery, aka being pro-slavery. The Constitution actually never uses the word slavery, but 11 of these are actually directly dealing with the issue of slavery. The, most, the two most blatant, the fugitive slave clause with the northern states agreed and were complicit because they were worried that, that if, so if someone, a slave freed from the south and escaped their master, that person was not free if they went to a northern state. That slave had to be returned even though they were in a free state. They had to be returned. That is in the Fugitive Slave Clause right in our Constitution saying, yes, that person is not free. That person does not have dignity. That person is not equal in the image of God. And they will be returned whether slavery was okay in your state or not. And then 
the three-fifths compromise. This one is the northern states fearing their numeric value of all of the black people in the south would overwhelm them in their, in their voice and vote in the government. I mean, this happens still today, right? In a multitude of ways. Like, we can't give people rights. We can't give them credibility because we'll fringe upon my voice and my power. And that's what the North is. So they said, all black people, they're not fully people, even though we know they're fully people. They're three-fifths of a person. To count against in our electoral college, even though they had no rights to vote. And they were not people, according to our Constitution. We protect the rights for people in our Constitution and Declaration to demean and distort the image of God. We specifically said, certain people are subhuman. When you distort or demean the image of God in someone else, you distort and demean the image of God in you. That's just not a sin against the other. That is a sin against God. The claim that our country is a Christian country is nonsensical. Whether they claimed it or not. It's nonsensical. It's nonsensical to scripture. It's nonsensical to God. Because at the very outset. They denied the image of God. And they distorted the image of God. They said this is the image of God. White people. Not black people. They immediately distorted a foundational thing. Of who God is. And they immediately distorted who God is. In his character. And in his conduct. And begin to multiply an image of themselves. They were cultural Christians, for sure. But this was not a Christian country. God, this, this country, like all countries, is just another Babylon. There is only one kingdom, and it knows no boundaries in this world. This country is just another Babylon. You think God looked down at those founding fathers and was thinking, man, I am really pleased that they're demeaning the image of God in people. I'm really pleased that they're distorting and telling people not who I am, but who they are. That just really makes me happy. No. He could not have been pleased. Oh, certainly God uses, has used this country as he uses every Babylon for his own purpose. Well, you can say, well... They got it mostly right. They were mostly right and they're mostly Christian. But if you read the gospel, right, there are no half measures in the kingdom of God. There's no half getting it right. It's perfection that God goes for. And that's his work in us. Slowly perfecting us. It just takes one sin to distort the whole image of God. There are no half measures. There is no lukewarmness. We created a country not based on God. Not based on his ideals. Not based on his character. We created a country based on I, our idolatry. Our false gods. Our untruths. We created a country on murder. This is Jesus' definition. When you distort the image of God. This is a big deal. 
That, by definition, is systemic sin. Institutionalized sin. That we're still seeing the effects today of that. It's not gone. Racism goes to the heart of the issue of who God is. It distorts God to ourselves and it distorts God to others. And here's the thing. The church, the church did not stand up to our founding fathers. The white church. They were complicit in this. In fact, there was one active clergyman, one active clergyman that signed the Declaration of Independence. He was a Presbyterian. They were complicit, all of them, in this. We'll talk and learn more about that later. The complicity of the church on this issue. Whether it being a, a sin of omission or a sin of commission. It does not matter. And here's the truth. Here's something that I need to confess to you. That I need to confess to God. I have not stood up. I have been silent. I have been complicit on this issue. I have been deceived in thinking, it's not so bad. It's gotten better. Oh, sure, there are people out there that are racist. But they're not always institutions that are racist. Here's what I will say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, that I've distorted your image. I'm sorry that I allow that sin to go on. I'm sorry I allowed that sin to go on in my own heart. Lord, help me not to do that anymore. Lord, help me to stand up for your image and for your character. That's true knowledge of God. Herman Bavik, in, in his, the wonderful works of God, who is a uh, 20th century, 21st century uh, theologian and pastor, says this as he's discussing the image of God in humans. He's trying to define what this image of God is. And he says, For knowledge without virtue, without a moral basis becomes an instrument in the hands of sin for conceiving and executing greater evil. And then the head that is filled with knowledge enters into the service of a depraved heart. In this sense, the apostle writes, Though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have not love, I am nothing. There's that word again. What Bavik is really saying is that you can have the right knowledge of God. You can come upon the right truth of something. And but that truth of God, that, that, that the truth of anything that's not based on a moral basing or not based on, on, on the moral character of who God is will actually create a greater evil. Satan, Satan has a proper intellectual knowledge of who God is. Probably better than us. And yet he does not have the moral character. He does not have the love. And therefore creates evil and greater evil with that knowledge and that truth. With that conduct. (coughs) Excuse me. We distort others' understanding of who God is. With a, with a conduct that is not based on God, we distort the understanding of who God is and we begin to multiply that self and we begin to multiply evil because we're not a multiplier of God and His goodness. This is what our founding fathers did. This is what we do. They created a greater evil than the evil that they experience being oppressed because they didn't have a true 
knowledge of who God was. Or they suppressed it and they distorted it because they didn't have the true character of who God is. Even people that don't know God, right? If they stumble upon a truth that is right, but they don't have the proper morality, they don't have the proper character of God, they don't know who, who God really is in his character, they will create a greater evil with that proper knowledge. We can, we can join in as Christians. We can join in with non-Christians who stumble upon a truth, a truth of justice, a truth of anti-racism, and we can stand and oppose racism with them. But the church needs to lead on this issue. We don't need to follow. Because we are the ones that have the proper understanding of who God is. We have the ones that have the proper understanding of who his character is and what his conduct is. And therefore, we are the ones when, we, when we're, we're solid on who is character and who the image of God and what the image of God is and that true knowledge of God, only then with proper belief and proper conduct will we institute and live out the kingdom and usher in the kingdom. If not, we will create a greater evil. Others will create a greater evil. The state will create a greater evil, even if they have stumbled upon a truth of justice. If we don't lead, the solution to our current problem will lead to a greater evil and more distortion of the true knowledge of God. In fact, that's the history of our country. The history of our country has been the white church being complicit in racism and the state, via wars, via laws, trying to rectify the issue of racism. But wars and laws do not change hearts. Wars and laws and things do not change and do not communicate the true image of God. And so what we have done in our country, we have, we have created a greater evil. You may think, oh, it's gotten better. Right? Hasn't it gotten better for black people? Haven't we made progress? No. We haven't. We've created, I think, a greater evil. I think if you do some of the research, it's changed, but it's more, it's more sinister and it's more evil. You know, the Emancipation Proclamation at the end of the Civil War, slaves were free. Do you think people treated them as free? No, we immediately create laws to make them criminals because in the 13th Amendment, you're not free if you're a criminal. And then what do we do? we actually leased those convents back into those plantations. Mass incarcerated them and leased them back, which is a whole worse than slavery in the first place. Because now, masters had no reason to be kind at all because they can just lease another one and another one and another one. And then we come up with Jim Crow laws and segregation. That's not better. I think that's probably worse it makes it more obvious. And then we come into our most recent, we, where we mass incarcerate people that are different than us. Now, you may not know or agree with all those statements, but I would encourage you to learn and to listen and to check the facts out. So what are we to do? What is the church to do? Look at, here's what I would say. 
The black church has been leading. The white church has the way to catch up. And the reality, we just want it to be one church. There only is a black church because the white church wouldn't let them in. There really is only one church. So let's go back to Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, on the passage we read in verse 20, Matthew 5, 23, 26. What are we to do? What is the church to do? So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to the court. Least your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and put you into prison. Truly I say to you, you'll never get out until you've paid the last penny. Do you hear what he said? Go and be reconciled. Drop everything, go and be reconciled. This is of the utmost importance in communicating the true image of God in our belief and in our conduct. Confession and repentance. If you've either treated someone, anyone, either by the sin of commission or by the sin of omission, or part of the systemic sin in our country, go. Just, it's the same command, just as the Great Commission. Go. Don't wait. Fix it. Reconcile. Because this is the Great Commission. The Great Commission is what make followers of Jesus go multiply his image, go multiply the glory of God. So is this when you reconcile with people. That's our jobs. That is the Great Commission. Go and be reconciled. So people can be reconciled with God. Go, repent, and confess. Reconcile with the people that you've harmed. Now, Phil Vischer, the VeggieTales creator, posted a 17-minute video on race in America. I posted it on our, our, our Facebook page. It's really short. He's really uh, quick-talking in this and gives a lot of information. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I hope you go watch it. It just gives you, it just whets your appetite just a little bit to maybe want to learn more. And he gives us some ideas about how to get out of this mess. And I really liked it. So this is what he says, and this is what I'm going to say. How does the church respond? How do people that love God respond to this issue? We care about it. We care about this issue. We care that people have been harmed. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we care. We care that we have been complicit in a system that has distorted the truth about who God is and the dignity and the image of God in people. We care that we have been inadvertently racist or advertently racist and harmed others. We care that we have been intentionally racist and harmed others. And care is just another word for love. Do you love God enough to love people enough to care? Do you care enough to listen and to learn? Care, listen, and learn. That's the action step that I'm calling us as a church right now to enter into. I think down the road there will be more action steps on how we deal with this issue. But right now, we need to care and we need to have a steep learning curve of listening 
and learning. Not, li- not listening to agree or disagree at this moment, but listening to understand. Taking the time to learn about the deep-rooted systemic issues of racism in our own hearts and in this world and in our country and in our church. And learn about the complicity of the church in this manner. Hey, there's lots of books. There's lots of videos for you to consume. Start doing it. If you want some suggestions, come reach out to me. Or reach out to some other people you know. But start to consume them. Take the time to love. To listen. And to learn. This isn't a passing issue or fade. This is a pandemic that has lasted over 400 years on this land, in this country, even before our country existed. And more than that in the world. It's not like racism is new on the shores of this world. It's rooted in the human heart. It's rooted in sin. This is a foundational issue in understanding who God is. The knowledge of his nature, the knowledge of his presence, and the knowledge of his character. This is foundational in understanding in who God is creating us to be, redeeming and resurrecting us to be made in the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. Humanity 2.0, perfected humanity. Brothers and sisters, go, go, love, listen, and learn. Amen.